Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. So welcome, everyone. Um, Casey and I are always very grateful for this time, this place, uh, to have community to practice with here is so precious and special. And so we're always overjoyed when you all come and you don't sleep in. <laughs> Very good for us. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit today um, about the A word, anxiety. And I've been thinking about this in terms of um, mindfulness practice. Even people of very deep meditations still have um, the same daily struggle, sometimes with that free-floating anxiety or um, stress-related anxiety. It's something that we all share that's not always that easy to deal with. Yeah? And um, I started to think about this a few weeks ago around um, the July 4th weekend. I got a few phone calls from old friends back east, and there was this theme of, um, well, I didn't think I would be here at this age. I don't know if I can retire. I'm feeling anxious about the cost of living. And it went on like this, um, not sure how to um, manage these next few years. I didn't think the pension, and it would just go on. Um, and I could hear the underlying anxiety that's present. And similarly, with the young adults that I see in um, the psychiatry clinic over on the east side of LA, a same kind of anxiety, you know, um, well, why should I take these classes? Is it going to get me anywhere? What will happen? Could I get a job? How will I pay for this? Will I ever be independent? And there's, you could feel this underlying stress and tension. Similar, you know? And then um, even further, when we look at um, just the events that have been unfolding in our lives every week, the challenge of facing what we hear um, from the violence that we're experiencing and racism in our communities, um, to the instability in the world and the pain and suffering that we're seeing daily, it's very easy for us, no matter where we are in our practice, to just get hijacked by um, the difficulty and the suffering. And so I thought this would be a good time to just go to some of the basic things that we know about anxiety and um, what the Buddha teaches about worry and fear, and see if collectively, together, we can reinforce ourselves individually and as a group um, to maintain this kind of balance and ease, and to use the wisdom practice and the mindfulness practice, the compassion practice, to help us steady in these difficult times, no matter what the difficult times are. And it doesn't minimize suffering anywhere. But the fact is, 
um, we have a practice to take refuge in and rely <coughs> on just for times like this. So um, last week we, we looked at uh, some of the teachings by the uh, Buddhist teacher, um, contemporary Buddhist teacher, Wes Nisker. Remember that for those of you who are here? And we were talking about um, the mind, watching the mind, the third foundation of mindfulness, um, and um, some of the neuroscience behind um, some of our mind states. And so I thought we'd go back to that a little bit. Um, I mean, one of the problems with anxiety is when we're experiencing it, most of us feel like we're the only one experiencing it. And that if we were stronger or um, more spiritual or more practiced, we wouldn't have it. And yet what we know is um, that our whole neurobiology is set up for us to have it. right? And that's what we talked about last week. And we'll go over it a little bit. Um, and um, the problem is uh, that we've been hardwired through the years before we were born to be on this high alert um, as a form of survival. So from thousands of years ago and all of this time in our um, human development as a species, it's typical that we're screening for danger or screening on some level that's kind of unconscious for what could go wrong next. Um, and I always remember that movie with Cher. What was that called? The, the one with the... I'm looking at Bonnie. She always remembers. <laughs> where um, <clears throat> she, um, she's fallen in love. You know, and she's very moonstruck, right? And she's just dancing in the moonlight. And she wants to share this with her mother in the middle of the night. And she goes to her mother's room, and her mother's asleep. And she wakes her, and it was Olivia Dukakis. And the first thing Olivia Dukakis says is, who died? <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of us, right? You know, every culture has a flavor of that. Like, what's wrong now? What's next? You know, you hear the phone ring. So it's a hardwire, right? It's how we survived. And um, here we are in this modern world, and there's not a saber-toothed tiger coming to get us. Um, or another village isn't raiding right now, but the amygdala and the central nervous system is um, still pumped up for the threats, to perceive the threats. So what do we do, unfortunately, is um, we kind of turn that attention and we perceive threats. And this becomes the anxiety, you know, that we're all experiencing and this fear. And it gets, it morphs itself into some of the other existential difficulties that we all have. Maintaining our sense of self, um, protecting ourselves, maintaining a personality structure, um, the feeling of competence, status, making decisions, our bank account. Um, how we earn money, decision-making, the way we find pleasure, all of that can subtly or not so subtly trigger 
this fight, flight, or freeze response um, and release the stress hormone, uh, it doesn't take that much, right? The structure is still in place. So the good news is that um, we have a mindfulness practice to work with that and work um, very skillfully with that. So, um, so one practice that we can use is just seeing the anxiety and looking back as a mind state and seeing how in our normal planning, hoping, rehearsing, wanting, craving, the craving for stability in the future, um, we're triggered, right? There's a trigger there. Um, so. so the alarm system in the brain is a little too sensitive, right? And, uh, I'm going to say a couple of things about that alarm system. That's the amygdala. And uh, it's almost like that false alarm system. It operates right under our conscious awareness. That's why sometimes you're feeling that anxiety, but like, how did I get anxious or why am I anxious? You know, sometimes you ever have that feeling like, I know it's there, but I'm not sure how it got there. <laughs> And, and then there's this child, like, I shouldn't be this anxious, but I'm anxious, but why? Right, because it's operating under your conscious awareness, and it's based on old memory a lot, um, or just, you know, just a sense of danger that may not be accurate. There's always that disconnect, like, why am I feeling this way? You know, how come I'm feeling this way, right? And... Um, it's almost like mind talking to um, central nervous system or central nervous system talking to mind. And uh, even, you know, know, we talked about this last week, if you have to solve a problem or make a plan or think something through, sometimes this gets activated. It's like think or die. If I don't get it right, I won't survive, right? I gotta survive, I gotta survive. Um, So, um, and it happens very fast in milliseconds, so there's the other problem. The activation is quick. Yeah. All right. So, what is the solution? Um, we'll get to that. So, this is from West Nisker. I thought this was kind of funny or fun. Um, He talks about mindfulness of mind, and the Buddha talked about looking back and watching um, these states of mind come and go. And he says, um, you know, when you're trying to watch into emotions and mind states, um, see if your mind state is like an animal. You know, check in. Like, we're part of every species. They all have these central nervous systems that get very activated, you know. And he says, Notice if your mind state is like a scared rabbit or a mouse nervously twitching and sniffing for danger, Uh, right? Or maybe you're going around with your teeth bared like a mad dog. You ever have that where you feel your teeth grinding, you know? Or you're chewing a lot, you've got to eat a lot. Uh, And he said, what is the sound of your current mind state? Growling, snarling, purring, tweeting? 
He says, I can sometimes hear my ill will as a laughing hyena, <laughs> while clinging and desire usually sounds like that coyote howling in the night. Right? It, you know, to, to really start to look at these states um, not as who we are and so identified, and it's me, it becomes me. And then usually it's like, for some of us, we even throw a second arrow at that. Um, and then it's not just me, it's like, I'm not a very good me right now, you know, right? That I shouldn't have this, or I, I shouldn't feel like this. So, um, so the key is um, here is in Buddhism, we're loosening that grip of me, of our identification with the mind state. We try to see with wisdom and mindfulness and even some concentration, right, that um, we're not the mind state of the moment. Whether it's fear or jealousy or anger or ill will, that it's a something visiting, you know? It's coming and it's going. Uh, so with the practice, we're loosening that grip. Some of the problem... Um, with these mind states is um, that uh, they form these identities very quickly. We're just lost in the identity. And we don't realize um, enough that a lot of the way we formulate these identities that get us caught is culturally driven. It's a collective, I like to say it's a collective hallucination, you know? It's really a collective distortion. It's not just us. And one of them, uh, there are a few of my favorites um, to share with you. So one of them I like to call um, my John Wayne mind state. <laughs> I know there's somebody younger who's like John Wayne. You're going to have to tell me who that is. Who's a movie person that's like John Wayne, that's young now? Oh, well, God, I Okay. Who? See, they know. Uh, oh, like um, Scarf, no. Who compares to John Wayne? Like, yeah. She now? Scarf is Liam Neeson. We'll find one. And, and they'll tell you. They'll tell you for sure. Men so that's. What's that? The problem is men have gotten bigger. <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, what's that John Wayne self that we put on if you're feeling anxiety or fear? Just. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, young lady, right? That one, shake it off, suck it up, toughen up, right? You don't have a right to feel that way. What's wrong with you? You're a wimp, right? Um, solve it, man up. Remember the one from our childhood. You have no reason to cry, right? I'll give you some of your How many people, parents said that, right? <laughs> I remember my kids on the Little League team, and the coach's favorite line was, shake it off, shake it off. You know, and it seemed reasonably good advice. I mean, at the time, I thought that's probably correct, right? But then um, we form these selves that catch us even more in this fight-flight syndrome and heighten the um, nervous system, actually tighten it and make it, I think, worse because we can't meet the vulnerability. We're not allowing ourselves to. Does that make, yeah? 
We're just not allowing ourselves to go there, and there is where we need to go. And we forget, like I said, it's not just us doing that. It's like a field of us doing that. It's in the air. Um, so uh, the other one that comes with that right along the line when we're not aware is um, that self that really needs to be perfect and wants the world to go their way, and it to be perfect, and I must be perfect. So I can't make a mistake. I can't ask for help. Um, I, I want it all to go well, and I want to be the A student, and everyone has to like me doing it, right? Um, it's an easy mindset to fall into, and I think a culture that um, feeds on narcissism and external gratification and looking good feeds this kind of suffering self. Yeah. So with the awareness, hopefully over time and practice with patience, we can keep looking back and seeing who is it now? What color glasses am I wearing? You know, who's showing up? Right? Um, and right behind that one is um, that critical self, which we've talked about, the critic, um, that's so strong in our culture really strong. I'm still not sure entirely why we have such harsh critic in our time, but um, that little voice in there that is um, beating the drum of not good enough, you didn't do it well, why didn't you, what is wrong? And if that gets activated, there's a lot of suffering in the day and depleted energy and loss. So these are the cells that keep the nervous system pumped up with stress hormone, really, and keep us agitated, and that low-grade hum of anxiety, you know, is there. So we can't have that ease and that peace and that even that just equanimity, that equal ground. So I've got one more, and that is um, the unworthy mind, the unworthy self. Um, the one that that voice uh, mind state that tells us we just don't have the capacity for what's in front of us, or we're not going to make it. Um, maybe we're just not worthy. I don't have what it takes. Or I'm going to fail. And I see this a lot with young adults, but it it doesn't end with young adulthood. It kind of carries. And even the Buddha experienced that on the night of his enlightenment, right? That the Mara came in the form of unworthiness and said, well, who are you to be enlightened? Who are you? Um, and he had to touch the ground, right, and come back to this place of worthiness. And um, in the same way, we have to, too. You know, who we can be receptive, we can receive uh, the teachings fully. Uh, how many of you really believe that in this moment? Be honest. Right? So, um, so these are the ways I feel with that we're jacking up the system. You know, we're pumping up with stress hormone when we're merged with these visiting states. 
and we're not aware that we're in them. We're caught in them. And so, so is our physical structure. I wanted to read a couple of comments, if I can just find them, um, that I took from Westminster. I really love some of his writings. Um, so the mindfulness practice, uh, we're learning, or we're practicing observing the mind states and the patterns. And we're not pushing them away, and we're not getting lost. We're just learning to abide and to stay with. And this is a quote from Carl Jung. We must be able to let things happen in the psyche. This is an art form which most people know nothing. Consciousness is forever interfering, helping, correcting, negating, never letting the psychic process grow in peace. So um, he says, when we no longer take ourselves too personally or too seriously, that is known as self-liberation. Mark Epstein calls the Buddha the original psychoanalyst. Rather than have them lie down on the couch, the Buddha taught them to sit upright on the pillow. <laughs> so um, where do we go if we're not getting caught in these defensive structures? Where do we go? And this is where our mindfulness practice takes us and um, the door is really the actual vulnerability that we're trying to avoid. And we all know this, right? But we need to come together to keep remembering this, right? So we've got to go right to where the ouch is, right to where the pain is and the suffering is. Um, and that's really the only way to go. It's the only ticket, right? So... Um, over here. So we want to change the paradigm for anxiety, slowly, bit by bit, as best as we can. We can't do it 100%, and we can't do it all the way. Um, and so we have to practice with complete compassion for ourselves, for how much we can take and how far we can go. But we really want to turn in kindness and compassion to the very thing that's hijacking our brain. You know, and that takes a bit of a pause and pausing again. And uh, Beth and I were talking, um, there was a workshop a few weeks ago in Inside LA with John Breer, and he was talking about his mindfulness work with burn victims. I can't think of anything more painful than um, recovering from, uh, from serious burn. And one of the things he said that really stayed with me for weeks is that um, the research supports when someone is able to sit in mindfulness on the body, um, experiencing the sensations of the burn, they cope better and heal better. I think of that as such a metaphor for this um, suffering that we have in our lives, whatever it is. Yeah. So um, we're using this vulnerability to open the door, 
to this experience. We're, we're welcoming it, you know, and when we don't want it, we're even knowing we don't want it. We're allowing that to be there, too. I don't want this. Um, we're giving it a name, a flavor, right? We're investigating. We're exploring. We're curious with it. What is this? Why is it here? Yesterday, I walked into um, my friend's garage, you know, I, after I walked in, and this anxiety just hit. I didn't, I had no idea what it was, right? I was like, I just walked into the garage. What is it? And so just slowly unpacking this, what's here? What's here? And just tracking a bit, I remembered we kind of had a disagreement. We disagreed on something a couple of weeks ago, um, and the flavor of that dialogue came up as a little tightness, you know, it's just a little, and seeing it just took it down. It was a great feeling when something releases. It feels really wonderful. So we're giving it a name or a flavor, and more importantly, I think we're experiencing, not thinking about it, whether it's money or career or just what's happening in the communities right now is we're going into the body and finding it in the body. Where does it live in the body? What's the body sensation? What's happening now? How do I know this is happening? What's in that muscular structure? Um, you know, I, sometimes I find, and you might too, that you find your head jutting forward or your neck leaning out, right? Fists or... Um, Hey, Dan, like what's happening now? And just being with that, and I find that um, the next piece of this has been so helpful, which is breathing into what's there. Um, and I like to call it from the self-compassion classes, affectionate breathing, breathing with care and kindness, taking a moment to just breathe very much into the sensations of the body with real caring, love, kindness, um, presence, warmth. Thich Nhat Hanh likes to say, whatever is there, fear or anger, like a mother holding a child. I'm holding it like a child with breath. And we know um, from the research that these behaviors, and this is all from mindfulness, from Buddhism, um, increases oxytocin and decreases the cortisol stress hormone. Mm -hmm. So it's got a kind of, nice to know it's got a science base, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, affectionate breath, caring breath, healing breath. And covering the experience, not with the John Wayne stuff so much, but with a compassion that we're all stuck here. This was a condition that started before we were born and has been here for thousands of years and that people all over the world are wondering um, what their paycheck is doing. It's not just us or if they're safe. Uh, this is human, so human that it's every human. And it's not from a lack of capacity, or we're not enough, or we're not smart enough, or we're weak, but it's just that we're here, we're human, and we're breathing, this is what the body is. It's not so personal. 
And I kind of hope that that compassion really generated for this self, this body, right now, extends out so that we can cope with the bigger things that we have to cope with in our environment, whether it's a racism or environmental issues or global issues, whatever it is, we have the capacity. Right? So if we have this capacity for this full compassion for this being, it goes out to others. We have more capacity for others. So holding the whole experience, I like to say covering it with kindness, like my favorite chocolate candies, those things that get dipped in chocolate, you know, covering it with compassion. And um, Thich Nhat Hanh has these beautiful exercises, breathing in, I calm my whole body, breathing out, I calm my whole body, right? Breathing in, I see myself as a mountain, breathing out, I feel solid. Breathing in, I see myself as space, breathing out, I'm free, right? Really pumping the brain um, and allowing ourselves to grab that oxycontin. Do you think I need rehab yet? (laughs) And if that doesn't work, (laughs) medication or meditation, you said, right? Yeah, there we are. So, uh, which one will we choose? (laughs) Stay tuned, right? So, one more thing that I think is an easy one, uh, and we talk about here a lot, and we'll practice it together, which is um, from the mindful self-compassion, the one that's, I feel, so easy to work with and easy to remember, is that touch the hand on the heart which we do a lot here, um, that it definitely releases, I won't say the word. (laughs) Bonnie will say it for me. I'm going to mess it up. Yeah? Oxytocin, yeah. Um, So using that with compassion. um, So we'll we'll take a minute, maybe, if you'd like to close your eyes, or if not, just looking down, and maybe connecting with the heart. Um, taking a moment to remember an anxious moment. Not a terrified moment, but an anxious moment. You know, maybe holding that a bit in your mind's eye and just for a moment thinking about or bringing up the feelings, what you told yourself. Checking in with the body sensations that this event brought up. And using the breath, gently, lovingly breathing into the body sensation, wherever this is felt in the body. And maybe bringing in some of the phrases I care about this suffering.
am worthy of caring. May I feel peace, may I be at ease. I'm grateful for all the efforts I'm making. I'm here. Just taking a moment to send that peace, that ease, that feeling of safety to everyone in this room. To be you have it, they have it. Allowing ourselves just to be the same, the one with everyone in, in, in the vulnerability that we all have. Maybe lifting the walls of this room and sending this energy, this healing, sweet, caring, beyond this room to the, our community. And wherever it goes, may all beings have peace. I care. May they have safety because I care. May they experience freedom from suffering as I want freedom from suffering. May all beings have this too. When you're ready, just slowly opening your eyes and bringing your attention back to the room. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.